Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning. We should still be in bed, you know, but hey, that's the way it goes. Um, I, I want to pick up where we left off last week when Matt was preaching. Matt was talking about the spirit-filled life of those who are following Jesus. And I don't, I don't know about you, but if you were like me for the longest time, I thought that being a Christian and, and that spirit-filled life was something that took place in the church building. Now, I would go to church, and when I would go to the church building, this is growing up, I would go there to meet God because that's where He hung out. And, and so whatever you did in that place was, was very sacred and very holy, but then when you left that place, it was no big deal. Uh, how, how you behaved or what you did. And what Matt hit on last week is something that, as Scott has shared uh, in the last few years, if there's one thing he could do over again, it would be to communicate the importance of us knowing the Spirit of God and His presence in our life all the time. And we recognize that now, as you've been taught, we recognize that He is with us no matter where we are, whether, whether we are at work whether we are at home, whether we are in our neighborhood. But one of the places I have discovered seems just through the years of observing that that is the most difficult place to understand that you are still living empowered by the Spirit is in your own home. It seems like too often we can come home and we can just we can get in comfortable clothes and, and we can take the day and, and just set it behind us. And sometimes we, we take the spirit and we, uh, of God and we want to set him behind us too. And we enter into the home and it's like we're different people. And so as we enter into Ephesians 5 today, uh, following what Matt taught last week, as we enter into this section, we're going to enter in the Holy Spirit working in the life of the believer in your home, in your relationships in your home. That's husband to wife, wife to husband, and children to parents. We'll be hitting all of those in just a little bit. When Cindy and I started dating and then were married on New Year's Eve of this past year, we had, we had made a decision that, that this relationship needed to be a relationship that was going to start out on the right foot. It was going to start out with us giving our attention to following Jesus. I mean, giving our attention to it in the home. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I remember from our, from our first date, the date ended, and the date ended with a prayer. Because I, I, I just thought, and, and Cindy as well, thought that God at the center of this relationship is everything. And it's not just the center of our relationship. God at the center of your relationship is everything. We also had made plans to start doing devotions. And Cindy and I both wanting to do these, Cindy had a devotional she was working through called Jesus Calling. And so we started with this. 
Every evening we would, we would read one little post out of Jesus Calling. The dates are uh, at the top of each page, and so you just take it day by day. And to this day, we still do this uh, daily. This is an important part of our life together. But because we really enjoyed doing this, we started looking around for another devotional maybe we could use. And so we came across a Love Language Minute, and then we came across the Couples Devotional Bible, and then we came across three more, and now every day starts and ends with six of these things. And, and I'll tell you how much how good these are, because it's not just a matter of let's read them and let's get through them and and check it off of our list, but these devotions promote so much discussion within the marriage that it's healthy, healthy, healthy for the marriage, and it certainly has been for us. And you guys, at at any time, the end of the service, you can walk up here and check these out, but but I value these, and Cindy values these as we take the time to to grow in our relationship with God first because he has to be the center of the relationship. And just so you know, in the room where we have our devotions, we have a box, and there's already a stack of books for next year. Uh, We're we're good. We're good through the next one. So anyhow, I, I encourage you to do that. This is something that is new for me. This is something that... I have not done before just to be able for for she and I to sit down together and have that quiet time together and and do our devotions together. That is so important and and so necessary in marriage. Also, if you notice, I have a shirt on that I received from the marriage conference we attended a couple or three weekends ago in Cincinnati. And I I encourage that weekend to remember every couple should go. I don't care how long you've been married or how short you've been married. Every couple should go. Oneness. One in Christ. And it says underneath it, I don't know if you can read it, but it says, I love my wife. And I was wearing it down to the store to get a cup of coffee this morning. and, And one of the guys behind the counter said, well, that's kind of a cool shirt. What does hers say? And I said, well, it says oneness. My wife told me to wear this shirt. Uh... No, it says, I love my husband. Uh, So anyhow, it's just kind of cool. Okay, I want you to look at your outline. And in your outline, I want you to notice from the very start the quote that I have from Rick Warren from Saddleback Church. You cannot fulfill God's purposes for your life while focusing on your own plans. You cannot fulfill God's purposes for your life while focusing on your own plans. And and I don't know how you operate, but it's easy for me to plan things out and then intend to follow my plans and do what I want to do rather than focusing on what God wants me to do, what God expects of me. And we're going to see in the scripture what God expects of us inside the family. Before we can see that, I need to establish this for you. In your outline, understand this. God established a chain of submission in creation. God established a chain of submission in creation. And the first thing that you see under that heading is you see God. God, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. 
Can we throw that on the screen there? Speaking of of God and the oneness of the body, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Okay? So we have God. God is submissive to no one. God isn't submissive to any of us. He doesn't operate based on our desires and our will for him. Rather, we are to submit to him. He is submissive to no one. That's why he is called sovereign. He is over all. He is in all. He is through all. He is God. Now, under God, I want you in that blank you have in your outline, I want you to write this down. I want you to write Jesus. Jesus submissive to his Father. Now, let me clarify something about this. Jesus submissive to his Father while he was here on earth. The reason I say that, when you go over into Luke chapter 22, I believe it is, when you go over there, you see this scene of Jesus in the garden. And while Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, he is pouring his heart out to God because he knows he's preparing for the cross. As he gets ready to go to the cross, there he is in the garden of Gethsemane praying and he says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Take it away from me. I don't, I don't want to go there. Because he knew the suffering that he was about to endure. And then as he closes his prayer, he says, Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. And so Jesus submits to the will of his Father there in the garden and goes to the cross. Now, as we get into this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, here's what you're going to notice. The husband is the next one. Under Jesus, write husband. The husband is to be submissive then to Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul will write in Ephesians 5 verse 25, he'll say, Husbands, you love your wives as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So Christ Submitting to God gave you an example, husbands, to follow, an example for you to submit to. And that example is that you love your wife in the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. So husbands, husbands who are following Jesus should be men, godly men who will give their very lives for their wives because of the depth of their love for them. Underneath the husband then, I want you to write the word wife. I want you to write the word wife. In Ephesians 5.22, we're told in the same way, wives, you must submit yourselves to your own husbands. Look at this. As you do to the Lord. So you have Jesus who submits to his father. You have the husband who submits to Jesus. You have the wife who submits to her husband. And all of this is actually directed towards God anyway. And then the fifth area that you have there is you have, I want you to write the word children. Children. Sorry, young people. Sorry, students. But this is the way it goes. Children. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, Paul simply writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, 
so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So children, you're to submit to your mom and your dad. Children, let me say that again. You're to submit to your mom and dad. I know you think they just rode in on a dinosaur, okay? I know you don't think they understand what they're talking about or what they're doing, but children, you're to submit to your parents. And in submitting to your parents, you're actually submitting to God. This is a chain of submission, submission that God had set up from the very beginning in creation, okay? Jesus to God, the husband to Jesus, the wife to her husband, the children to their parents. That's how it's supposed to be. Now, with that in mind, let's press on in your outline. We'll start with the husbands. God has designated the husband as the head of the marriage relationship. He's designated the husband as the head of the marriage relationship. Now, in order, husbands, for you to be able to lead your marriage, in order for you to be the head of the relationship, you have to be able to understand your wife. There's the rub, isn't it? Yeah. In order for you to lead your marriage, you have to understand your wife. Three weekends ago when we were at the marriage conference, we had breakout sessions where the men went one section and the women went to the other. And in our section, they played this this video that I had to find, which I'm so glad I found it. It's from an old movie called Shenandoah, and it's an older guy talking to a, a younger guy, his son, and he's trying to help him understand women, okay? So just watch this clip with me. It's no easy job, Sam, take care of a woman. No, sir. They expect things they never ask for. And when they don't get them, they ask you why. Sometimes they don't ask. And they just go ahead and punish you for not doing something you didn't know you were supposed to do in the first place. What, for instance, sir? Well, that's a very difficult question to answer, Sam. You're never quite sure. It's just that it's sort of, you might say, relative. Relative to what, sir? To how they're feeling at the moment. And how's that? You never know. Uh, I don't believe I really understand what you're trying to tell me, sir. I know, I know. I never understood it myself. I never understood it. It's just one of those things, Sam. Around, you just don't ever see it. I suppose, suppose Jenny started to cry one day. You don't know what she's crying about, so you asked her why. Do you follow me, Sam? Yes, sir. You ask her, and she won't tell you. And that's when you ask her what it was you did that caused her to cry. She still won't tell you. And that's when you start to get angry. But don't get angry, Sam. She won't tell you why she's crying because she doesn't know. 
Women are like that, Sam. And it's exasperating. It's, it's... Mm. But don't let it make you angry. None. When she gets like that, just walk up and hug her a little bit. Because that's all they really want when they're like that, Sam. Little loving. You understand me, don't you? No, sir. You don't, huh? Come on. Best part of that's when he goes, mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, as you... So, guys, here we go. I'm going to talk to the men just for a couple minutes, then I'm going to talk to the women, then I'm going to talk to the children. Um, so, as a husband... You're to lead your marriage, this is big, you're to lead your marriage as a man under authority. You're not, you're not a dictator. You're a man under authority as a follower of Jesus. You are under the authority of Jesus, the one you submit to. You're not a lone ranger out there just shouting and barking out orders in your family. You're a man under authority. We we'll see in just a second as we, as we look in the Scripture, you're responsible for your marriage, and not only men are you responsible for your marriage, you're accountable for your marriage. As a man who is under the authority of God, you are responsible and accountable for your marriage. If you look over in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, I want to throw this out to you. This, just to set the Scripture up, this is where... Eve has just eaten the fruit. She hands it to Adam and says, here, eat, and he eats. And evidently, throughout, throughout, throughout that time after everything was created, God had a daily appointment where he just came waltzing through the garden to fellowship with Adam and Eve. I want you to see this verse. There we go. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called, that's what I want you to see, men. He called to the man, where are you? And I can see Adam a little bit going, okay, hang on a second. Why are you coming after me? I mean, Eve was the one who went towards the tree. Eve's the one who went to the tree that you said she shouldn't go to. She's the one that took the fruit. She's the one that ate it. And I can almost hear God saying, yeah, but where were you? Where were you, Adam, when your wife was heading in that direction? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you stop it? Where were you? And instead of, instead of stopping it, even instead of condemning it, you ended up participating in it. Eve ate first. God comes after Adam. We're accountable for our marriage relationships. Men, we are accountable. Yeah, Rick, but, but I, I'm, I'm not like you. I, well, yeah, you are. I mean, I, I might be pastoring a church, but that doesn't make me any holier, any better, any more well-practiced than anyone else in the room. 
We're, we're in this together. And we're to be accountable for our marriages. Because husbands will be accountable to God for how they lead. Okay. The other thing I want you to notice in there is a husband's love for his wife is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel because, as I said before, Paul writes that a husband's to love his wife as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. In the same way that a husband would lay down his life for his wife, Jesus takes on all the sin of all the world onto his shoulders and he goes to the cross and on the cross he gives up his very life. He gives it up. We don't deserve it whatsoever. He takes our sin and he pays for our sin right there on the cross. So the way a husband loves his wife is a picture not just, not just to his wife, but also to, to those around. Is a picture of God's grace and his mercy in that he, Jesus, died for us. Um, this is one of the things Cindy and I pray for. We pray that, that God will, will, he will work in our lives individually and as a couple, so that when people on the outside look into our lives, they can see the love of Christ. When they look into the home of the people who live in that bend in Wheelersburg, um, people who live in that bend where we live, that, that the neighbors and those that we connect with, that they can see the love of Christ there. They can see the love of Christ at work because a godly marriage exemplifies the gospel. So they should be able to see that. Now, let's go to the next part. I'm going to talk to the women. God has designated the wife, this is big here, to be a helper. Now, ladies, I want you to write this in because this is where I think sometimes we get things wrong. God has designated the wife to be submissive. I want, you to, I want you to understand first that God has designated the wife to be a helper. In creation, after Adam had named all of the animals, God brought the animals to Adam. He named every one of them. And after he named every one of them, the scripture says, but there was no, no one suitable for Adam. No one found suitable for Adam. And that's when God caused Adam to go into a deep sleep and he took his rib and out of his rib he created Eve. He created a woman and the woman was referred to as the King James Version as the helpmeet or the helper. The woman, Eve, was created to be Adam's helper. Now, it's an interesting study of the little word helper. I, I am in no way, I don't even pretend to uh, act like I know Hebrew. I, I don't, didn't want to take it. I, I wanted to avoid it at all costs, which I did successfully. But there are still wonderful tools that allow you to do some word studies. And I, I was studying out the word helper or help meet for the, for the woman. And, and here's what it means. The first one is obvious. It's one who helps. One who helps. But let's go a little farther because the word gets a little more meatier. It gets a little more meaning. An ally. I want you to write that down. 
an ally to your husband? And in my notes, I just wrote down on the side of that, not an adversary, an ally, okay? A helper, an ally, and then the third area you have there, I want you to write down is an equal and suitable partner. Now, we're going to talk about that equality here in just a second. An equal and suitable partner. And you see that when you'll read Genesis 2, 18 through 23. We won't look at that right now. Rick, what do you mean by equal? Because if the wife is supposed to be submissive to her husband, it, it doesn't sound like everything's equal. Let me tell you this. Matt hit on this last week, and, and you cannot forget this. You cannot read the Scripture and, and, and overlook this important thing. In the time that this was written, it, isn't, it wasn't like it is today. In the time this was written, women were not viewed as people. They were viewed as property. They were viewed as possessions. They had no rights, none whatsoever. They were at the beck and call of, of every man. They had no rights. All of a sudden, into this world comes Jesus. And when he comes into this world, what he does is he elevates the woman to the same level as the man because he, when he died, gave his very life for all people. To the point that, that Paul would say, I, I mean Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he would say, husbands, if you're going to live with your wives in an understanding way, if you're going to do that, you need to understand that your wife is a grace to the heir of life just like you are, meaning that when Jesus died, he died for your wife just like he died for you. And so what Jesus does when he comes on the scene, he elevates the woman from property and possession possession to personhood, and he gives his life for the woman. And so that, that woman that's being created... She's an equal and she's suitable for her husband. Not a possession, rather a person. Now this is what I want you to write down though, ladies, because this is important. We grab this. Submission then is the God-honoring response of the wife toward her husband's authority. It's the God-honoring response of the wife towards her husband's authority, who is trying to lead as he submits to Jesus. And I can say this because I'm a dude and I'm a husband. Sometimes I do good leading, and sometimes I don't do so good leading. And when I don't do well, I know it. And, and it's not that I know it because I have someone telling me I didn't do well. It's because I know when I'm trying to honor Jesus and when I'm not trying to honor him. And so, so wives, you as your husband is, is trying to live out his Christian life and, and lead the home, lead the marriage, you then, your response as a follower of Jesus is that you submit to his authority. Your submission then becomes a picture of the, of the submission of Jesus to his Father. 
And I want to say this. I need to say this. In order for the husband to be able to lead peacefully, in order for the husband to be able to lead peacefully, the wife must allow her husband to lead. Submission is not an easy thing. It's not easy for a man to submit to Jesus. I can't imagine it was easy for Jesus to submit to God and go to the cross. I can't imagine that being an easy decision. Submission requires an effort on the part of the individual, a conscious effort to allow the other that they're being submissive to to do what they are to do. And so if, if the home is going to be peaceful, if the husband is leading, then wives, you have to allow the husband to lead. And in that leading peace. Now, for men who aren't following Jesus, this is like Hebrew. This doesn't make a lick of sense. I'm not talking to men who aren't following Jesus. I'm talking to men who are following Jesus. Because if you want your wife to be able to respond to you in a God-honoring way of being submissive, then your goal, your heart's desire, men, needs to be that you lead your home as Christ would have you lead, knowing that you're not going to perfectly do it. But that's the kind of leader we're to be. And wives, that's to be your response as you help us lead. Children. This is the third area. See, each of these I could spend hours on each topic, but I'm going to just hit the bullet points. Children, you're to live your lives in a way that brings honor to your parents. You only have one command in Scripture, students, just one command in all of Scripture. And the command is this. Children, honor your mom and your dad. That's it. How do we honor them? We honor our parents by being obedient to our parents. That's how we honor our parents. The word kind of smacks of living in such a way that people outside won't speak evil of the family name. You know, when you hear the gossip going around of, of different families in your neighborhood and all that, well, you know about these people. You know, well, the reason you hear that going around and the bad reputation going around is because someone's been misbehaving and you kind of link them all to that family. Children, students, live in such a way that people speak well of your parents. They speak well of your family name. That's your, that's your response as a godly student, as a student who is trying to live for Jesus. That is your response. And you go, wait, I don't like that. And um, I think that's where God would say, do it because I said so. But I don't like that either. Yeah. Okay. Because this is what, this is what students, I want you to know. Your parents are not accountable to you for how they parent you. They're accountable to God. That's who they're going to answer to. And so, as they are accountable to God, 
you students will be held accountable for how you submit to your parents. Wives, you'll be held accountable for how you submit to your husbands. Men, husbands, you'll be held accountable for how you submit to Jesus. That's that chain that was set up. I want you to, as we, as we get ready to wind this down, I want you to look at the quote at the bottom of your sermon notes. The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to an end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. See, I believe that's part of the reason why the family is in such trouble anyway is because we're wanting to try to figure it out and do it the way we want to do it rather than doing it the way God wants to do it. And I kind of figure that since God is the author of marriage, since he's the one that put it all together, then he's the one that we should be listening to. Since he's the one who brought the first family into existence, doesn't it make sense then that we would say, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Give us the instruction manual, and he's given you the instruction manual when he gave you this. Right here. This is it. How is Rick Clark supposed to live his life, whether it's as a husband, as a pastor, as as a community, a person just out in the community, as a follower of Jesus? This is how he's supposed to live his life. And this is how you're supposed to live your life. How is a wife to live her life? How's a woman to live her life? It's here. It's here. It's, It's not a secret. It's not something that has to be dug up and discovered. God gave it to us. And we try to communicate that to you, understanding that we all trip and stub our toes at different levels at different times. And that's why forgiveness has to operate within a marriage relationship and within a family relationship. And so I was thinking about how I wanted to close today. And and so I want to say this. I want to just talk to the men real quick. Men, I pray for you that your heart's desire will be, and I hope you'll pray for me this same, that your hearts will be that you are a godly man following hard after Jesus as your example, that you will be a godly husband in your home, that you will be a godly dad in your home. To the wives, I I pray for you this, that you will, you will be godly wives who are an ally and a helper to your husband and who, who's willing to allow your husband to lead as he follows the lead of Jesus. For students, I pray that, that you will be godly children, that you will allow your parents to parent that rather than kicking up your heels and creating strife in your home, that, that you will understand that your parents are simply trying to follow God's lead as mom and dad. And boy, I wish it was a perfect science, but it's not a perfect science. Uh, being married isn't a perfect science. Having children isn't a perfect science. And raising kids certainly isn't. But that's where we pray for one another, and that's where we encourage one another. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would. Everybody just stand up.
And as you stand, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the men, if you're standing next to your wife, now if you're not, you just hang right where you are. If you're standing next to your wife, I just want you to reach out and grab their hand. If you have a fiancé, if you've got someone you're planning on hitching up with in the near future, I want you to reach out and grab their hand, okay? This may be the proposal. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, come on up here. We'll just stand right here, honey. Okay. Now, if you're standing next to a child, I don't care if they're an adult child, a young child, I don't care. If you're standing next to a child, I want your child to join hands with you, okay? Now, I got to walk a little bit, but that's okay. This is okay. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for our families. We're going to pray for the men. We're going to pray for the wives. We're going to pray for the children. And as we do, our heart's prayer is, that our lives will be God-honoring lives so that those around us will know Jesus is King. All right, let's bow our heads. Father, I want to thank you so much for the gift of love and the gift of family. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the husbands that are represented in this room. And I pray that that each husband will be, be able to follow your lead, that they will submit to your lordship in their lives, and that they will be godly leaders, godly men who desire to lead their marriages and their homes to know you and to reflect you. I pray, Father, for the wives. And Lord, I pray that, that you, would, you would bless each of the wives here. I pray that you would enable them to be helpers and allies for their husband. I pray, Father, that that they will be able to have the capacity to allow the husband to lead the home. And Lord Jesus, I pray for the children. Father, I pray that you would bless each child standing here, whether they're an adult or a young person. Lord, I pray that as they look into their parents' lives, that they will see an example of the love of Jesus and that they will follow, follow you. Father, I pray that the seeds of faith that parents sow into the lives of their children will take deep root and will grow great fruit for your kingdom. Lord, thank you for the family. Thank you for each family here. May we represent you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Husbands, wait. Kiss your wife, okay? Very good. Very good. Okay, now wait. You don't have to sit back down. I simply want to tell you this. I'm so grateful for each of you. I pray that as you go, that your home will be like every home in this, in this body of believers right here, that people can look in and see the love of Jesus at work. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.